0: Welcome to another Chief Yuya podcast. In this session, we'll be speaking about the illusion of death and the idea of dying with dignity. Here we go. This was an article written by Shahrazad Ali entitled, I Want to Own My Death. And it was written for the website deathwithdignity.org. And it began, she says, two years ago in 2013, the dear man I shared my life with for over 18 years died from lung cancer after two years of daily suffering, deterioration, and agony. At first, Yaya kept his diagnosis to himself. I was raising our then 12-year-old grandson in Cincinnati, Ohio a safer place for him than Philadelphia. We'd visit each other frequently with the plan he'd join us soon. I kept noticing he was losing weight. So I asked him, what's the problem? Are you not eating? Finally, I learned he had incurable cancer. Yaya was a big proud man, a 27 year Navy veteran, and an active and joyful person. And as the evil disease took over his frail body, He refused to stay in the hospital. He didn't want strangers to feed him or change his diaper. He detested feeling helpless. Yaya didn't want me or our grandson to see his demise, and I respected his wishes. But during his final few days, not knowing how long he could hold on, he asked to see us one last time before he died. I took his grandson to see him. They talked, hugged, and made their peace. When my turn came, I told him he'd been a good husband and father and that he was leaving a great legacy. He thanked me. I kissed his hand. He waved goodbye and was gone. I've since come to grips with the fact that he has gone from us forever. I miss him every day. Both my parents died of a heart attack early in life. They literally dropped dead. I always assumed that's how death happens, quickly and quickly. And painlessly. Watching Yaya die a slow, painful death gave me a new perspective on my own life and how I want to die. That's when I discovered death with dignity. Ironically, soon after Yaya passed, I developed a tumor. And even before the biopsy results came back, I had already decided that I was not going to experience what Yaya went through. I wanted to die on my own terms. I had made plans to move to Vermont when the doctors told me my tumor was benign. My plan is to decide and set my own terms about how I leave. I am an independent woman and if death is coming and I have no quality of life left, I don't want to prolong the inevitable and force my children to suffer along with me. I want to own my death like I owned my life, controlling my destiny. This was written in 2015. So, just to give some background, of course, on the great Shahrazad Ali, Uh, many of you may know her as an author and, of course, uh, a lecturer. You know, being a longtime member uh, of the Nation of Islam under the guidance and direction of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad. And um, she authored six books. Uh, one of the, the most popular ones is The Black Man's Guide to Understanding the Black Woman. And then she also wrote The Black Woman's Guide to Understanding the Black Man. Uh, she wrote another work, Are You Still a Slave? Uh, she wrote a book by the name of How Not to Eat Pork. Uh, another one by the name of Urban Survival and also things your parents should have told you. All right. So, you know, she had some or, or has some some very good, good works that um, you can get a hold of. I actually own every one of her manuscripts scripts and uh, definitely recommend them. She's a, a brilliant and insightful writer. And she's um, you can you can see very clearly the influence of sanity and her life, the in- and what I mean by that is the influence of sane men in her life and the effects that those sane alpha men have had in being able to help her to stabilize her own thoughts and ideas and also to express them with a high degree of boldness, because uh, she's one who for many years, you know, for, for over 30 years now, because The Black Man's Guide to Understanding the Black Woman came out in 1989. You know, and she was ridiculed and villainized and she went on many talk shows where they sought to humiliate her and to insult her. And she handled every single moment with grace and with with craft and with care, you know. So she's someone definitely, you know, I highly recommend that you get to know and, and you get to learn, you know, she's um. You know, out of Philly or well, really out of out of Ohio um, And uh, spent a lot of time in Philadelphia You know, raising her family But, um There's a key here In terms of um, what was presented In this article And this very personal information That she has shared You know, about her own standing In terms of her own, her own health And, um what she's going through. And. You know. As she said. And you know. Actually. There were there were more books. I'm sorry. I'm looking on my shelf. <laughs> uh, there was also. How to tell if your man is gay or bisexual. Which is another one. And there's one day by day. That I, I'm pretty sure. I, I can't. I don't see right now. But I'm pretty sure I own it. Or I owned it. You know. Because sometimes. Uh. My quote unquote friends come over and, and uh, some of my books begin to disappear. But um, yeah, in any event. So the idea here there, that that she has shared in the sense of I choose to die the way I lived. And like she had pointed out, she said, you know, I'm an independent woman. And clearly uh, what she expressed about her mate. You know, Yaya being a very independent man and and wanting to maintain an impression and an idea with his family as he transitioned. He didn't want that that to be perverted. He wanted to as he came in strong, he wanted to go out strong and often or really, I should say consistently and continually. The burden of an alpha man is to suffer in silence, to die silently and to suffer silently, but to always present the image and the face and the affront of strength, because that's what the family, that's what the community, that's what society uh, or their personal society needs from an alpha man. And an alpha man is always plugged into the needs of those around them more so than their own personal needs. So often there is a a silent suffering and that wounded warrior archetype, you know, is very active inside of that type of mindset. And like I've said so many times, it is your mate and more importantly, your first parental compliment that leaves you with your primary imprint. So for men, your first primary imprint of not only your own your own feminine nature, but the feminine nature that you look for in a woman comes from your mother. Good or bad. And you know, and sometimes that could even be the non-presence of your mother and the image and the ideas that you've conjured as a result of that lack of presence. And the same thing goes for women. Your first imprint is given to you by your father and it's a, it's a little bit different in that the man that you choose to co-create with and, and to cultivate family with and to, in many senses, surrender yourself to, has to go beyond where your father is. Many times there's a mistake that I hear uh, a lot of women make in that they are somewhat quick to tell their current mates how their father treated them you know and of course I'm sure there's a there's a pride there you know and there's a love there that they're expressing for their father you know well my daddy told me this my daddy told me this and my father told me I never had to do that and my father told me I was this and I was that and sometimes uh, sadly they forget that their mate or their husband is actually not a blood relative and more importantly, that person is not your father. And if they were to come in and to, you know, be everything or be not necessarily be everything, but be the way your father was towards you and to emulate that relationship, you'd be maybe bordering on on some um, not just incest, but just some pervert, perverse um, territory. So it's different. Your man is, is not your father your man is your man. And in in an ideal situation, he's going to take over all of the role and responsibility of your father and then beyond because he's also, you know, supplying a certain intimate need and, and a different kind of attention. It's a different ray of light that's going to be provided in in that sense. And it's a different kind of support and understanding that's going to be provided in that sense while still maintaining everything that your father did and more. Whereas your father may have, as we say, you know, you can give a man a fish or you can teach them how, and they can eat for the day or teach them how to fish and they can feed themselves for life. You know, your father, a lot of times is gonna give you the fish. You know, you come up in a house and, you know, there's food in the refrigerator and, and there's food in the cupboards and wherever else you store your food. And it, there may be both. There may be those provisions that are put forth, whereas a good man is going to put you in the position of power. So you see here with like a Shahrazad Ali, her being able to say I'm an independent woman and understand if Shahrazad Ali is saying it, she's not saying it in the same sense that so many foolish people say it you know, when they speak about being independent from their men and community and society, which is insanity, you know, so she's spoken against that and taught that for so many years. And of course, sadly, um, for so many years, people didn't listen. And for the most part, people are still not listening. You know, um, she's still a name that brings up a lot of, um, heated debate and conversation because in all reality when The Black Man's Guide came out in 1989 you know she was she was pulling the, the curtain back you know she was pulling the, the wizard's curtain back and really exposing the community to a lot of the games that were, were being played in relationships and the unspoken war that existed between black men and women You know So her representing that that Proverbial whistleblower You know she was really um, She was treated with a lot of contempt And she was viewed with a lot of contempt As a result You know Shaharada, Shaharazad Ali But Again we speak about imprint And you see From the imprint of her husband That there was an idea left in it, And she had a, a husband previous to that. I know he had transitioned as well. You know, but you see there's an idea that these strong men have placed inside of her. And the idea is of self self-containment to a degree, being able to sustain yourself. So obviously there were gifts and there were tools and there were ideas that were giving to her. And she cites that. She always always cites, you know, uh, especially from her first husband, you know, she always cites the things that he would teach her and the, the, the study and the ideas that, she, that he received from the most honorable Elijah Muhammad. And of course, she would always cite the most honorable Elijah Muhammad and, and speak about the lessons that she received from him. And even to, to the effect of how they may have differed from The teachings of Louis Farrakhan and maybe some of um, some of the places where she she considered the teachings to have maybe um, lost their way, if you will. But that confidence is possible. Again, when you have the balance of a family and more importantly, when you have the balance of a strong man in your corner, you can speak in those ways and you can be vilified and you could be humiliated and all those different things that and you can be attacked even all those different things that come into society because, you know, when you go home, you're you're an empress. When you go home, you're the mistress, you know, or or, or, or you're the ruler and you have someone who's confirming that to you by the way that they're dealing with you, by the way that they're treating you, by the way that they're speaking to you. So that internal domestic respect becomes your focal point and your pivot, regardless of how those outside of your home may view you, because the reality is, you know, that they truly don't know you like those who lay with you every day. You know, if you're if you're in an ideal and healthy situation. So I'm not I'm not painting that with a broad Brushstroke and just saying that whatever people external to your mate say to you doesn't matter because sometimes we don't listen to what our mates say as well. We, we we have selective hearing, you know, sometimes as well, you know. So I want I wanted to make it clear that I am certainly putting Shahrazad Ali in terms of stature. I'm putting her uh, miles beyond. Uh, the average female i'm putting her miles beyond beyond that in fact i'm putting her miles beyond 99 percent of you women who are listening okay so i always have to make those kind of points clear because we live in a microwave society where people are very quick to grab hold of an idea of or a title without recognizing the introspective work that's involved and being that thing that it is that you say you are immediately. You know, I I saw a post about that the other day where someone had said something to the effect where instinct is all you need. These very stupid ideas that have become popular now, you know, or people say things like, you know, all the answers lie within. Just very, very ignorant things that they stroke the ego but all they do is they they support and they foster a foster spirit of intellectual independence, not intellectual freedom, not intellectual progression, not intellectual cultivation, intellectual independence, where whatever thought or idea that I come up with, no matter how stupid, no matter how unfounded, it's correct because I came up with it. I've even heard Will Smith say things to that effect. You know just have an idea and just go for it Go for it and sometimes you have to You know you have to consider The source You know it's very easy to say Certain things After you're sitting on you know 30 million (laughs) dollars It's very easy to do that and it's very easy For people to look at you as if you're Spouting some great wisdom and I'm Nothing against Will Smith I'm just speaking in general You know but your instincts can be thrown off, your instincts can be ruined. Your intuition can be ruined. You know, these are these are instincts of something that you're born with, but they can be distorted. Intuition is something that you develop over time. You see. So to jump up and just say, Oh, my intuition. Well, how much have you trained that intuition? How much have you really cultivated that intuition? so that it's serving you and serving those around you in a healthy way or are you reading memes and you're listening to what feels good so you can shut out the guidance that's given to you externally and you can and you can say well I feel this in my spirit you know we fall back into those very religious terms something to think about we're going to go deeper but I want to take a break for some housekeeping as we have still an ongoing movement with the Red Wrap, I want to just remind you all that you can go to anulifeglobal.org forward slash Red Wrap to provide your strength, contribution and support, and also to get more information about what the Red Wrap actually is. You know, the work that we're doing in the New York City area uh, with the shelters and of course with uh, displaced women and feminine hygiene, so you can go to anulifegloba dot o r g forward slash r e d w r a p. And if you're interested in possibly doing a red wrap in the area uh, that you live in, regardless of state, uh, be sure to reach out to us at redrap at anulifeglobal dot org. R e d w r a p. At a n u l i f e g l o b a l dot org, all right. Uh, also, uh, announcement we have we are in the works of of putting together our new chapters for the Atlanta and Florida area, Atlanta as well as Florida. So, any of you who are local to either one of those places, be sure that you uh, keep an eye out. And if you're interested, make sure that you're following. The Anu Life GM A-N-U-L-I-F-E-G-M Social media pages uh, Anu Life GM on Twitter Anu Life GM on Facebook Anu Life GM on Instagram To stay up to date as to what we're doing As far as our ministries The Anu Women's Ministry Is now accepting applications You can go to Anulifeglobal.org Forward slash Womb. Which is a n u l i f e g l o b a l dot o r g forward slash a n u w o n b. Of course, make sure that you're following. There's a Twitter page as well as an Instagram account for the Anu Womb or the Anu Woman, but the handle is Anu Womb, A-N-U-W-O-M-B, again, to stay abreast of what's going on so that you can be a part of that work. And of course, you can go to the webpage, anulifeglobal.org forward slash Anu Womb to get more information as to what we're doing, the expectations and the movement. Of that sacred work, the uh, work and the applications for the men's ministry are soon coming. Of course, we already have some momentum inside of the men's ministry, but we're going to officiate an actual registration and application process very soon. All right, and as for the documentary, All Whores Go to Heaven, go to allhorsgo to heaven.com in order to find out more information and to contribute to that work as well. Now, back to our segment. Before we went into our housekeeping aspect. We were speaking about just death. And in particular, I had read an article from uh, Shahrazad Ali, the great Shahrazad Ali. And she had shared some information in terms of her perspective on how she chooses. She's choosing to own her death and to die with dignity. All right, and um, she had also outlined and shared information about the transitioning of her mate Yaya, and the choices that he made during that process, and the choices that she made to respect um, his out his output and his eyes, his outlook on his transitioning, and what many would consider to be a decomposition, and how he chose to maintain an image of vitality and functioning uh with his family you know during that process so there's another aspect to this and you know first part of our segments we always deal with the concrete and the logical the second part i like to deal a little bit more with the abstract aspects of what we're talking about and there's a theory that many subscribe to in terms of the illusionary aspect of what we call life of course there's been many movies that have spoken about that or even you know ideas like life just being a dream you know or that we may be figments of someone else's imagination or or segments and components inside of the the dream state of some other type of organism but nonetheless we recognize that we have a consciousness and that consciousness doesn't necessarily exist and within the same laws and spheres of our body and Sometimes people can be a bit too sympathetic to the, the peripheral understanding that we're given of the body. They can be very body centric and self-determined in physical principle without really establishing an attention towards the spiritual, the conscious apparatus or, or your conscious mechanisms and recognizing that the body serves as an anchor, even the, the beautiful and it's a beautiful machine. But nonetheless, the the tangible and the physical is nothing but another reality that the soul has the option to express itself through. And we're living and we're moving through the being of different existences. So the idea here that that life may actually be an illusion, if you will, or or life may just be another thread of, of cognition. And when I say life, I'm speaking about The life that we call our reality or the the physical awareness of our reality and how we express ourselves physically through our self-consciousness and our awareness. There's an idea again that that may be an illusion, if you will. And if that's the case, if life has the potential and the possibility to be a stream of illusion, then theoretically it it would withstand the same idea that death could also be an illusion as they go hand in hand and we can give our attention towards either one. But the problem is when we spend such little time developing a consciousness outside of our body consciousness consciousness, and so much of our movements are body-centric and we feel that everything that we are and everything that we do is reflected in our physical plane or in our physical body, then we begin to lack the principle of spiritual coherence. We lack the principles of soul coherence. So when we start to imagine losing the anchor of the body and allowing our consciousness to express itself through another vehicle, it becomes a very frightening thing. It becomes very scary. It becomes something that we dread and we try to hold off for as long as we possibly can through You know, our own self will and and through the way we eat and through the way we exercise and the way we think, because it's, you know, it's so dreaded because it's just so misunderstood, this idea of death. But the idea of life is also highly misunderstood. And if you can see life as an interval experience and an interval functioning along the physical plane, because the physical plane itself is not life. The physical plane is not life and life does not create the physical life does not create the universe itself but rather the other way around okay so if we can understand that we exist prior to that that universal aspect of that universal mind but we also use it as a housing then that means us as the reflection of the universe or us as the the if you will if you take a he-man reference us as the masters of the universe we create life and then we create the physical, the vehicles of life. So if the vehicle breaks down or the house is emptied out, it doesn't necessarily mean that the creator and the originator and and the instigator of life has also broken and snapped. So sometimes we see that that connection of that anchor that we have to our pineal and to our heart. And, and, you know, these are the places that the soul anchors to. So that way. Now the physical person can have reasoning ability, you know, can have reasoning as a, as a as a human living in this experience and can can acclimate it, itself to this particular environment. So once we comprehend that, those are only anchors, and like all anchors and all chains, they eventually rust and they eventually break. But it's anchoring something. So the body anchors something, it anchors the soul, and that's a current of energy. And no matter how magnetic it is, or no matter how magnetic it may feel, as all things that exist in this plane, they're temporary. And then we take that same consciousness and we seed it elsewhere. But here's another thing to consider. And that's the idea of parallel dimensions. You know, which is is very simple to comprehend especially if you if you spend any time studying particle theory and and understanding that um particles sometimes behave as particles and then sometimes they behave as waves so with that that ideation we understand that there's a duality to what we consider to be thing or a duality to what we consider a particle and a lot of times when a particle is moving from one space to another which is still somewhat illusionary it has the ability to take two pathways at the same time so imagine this but it's all in how you perceive it you know there was some studies done on this and it was shown that when the particle was perceived the particle was looked at it would take one slit it was called the slit theory and it would go through one singular slit to get to another place. So imagine having a piece of paper, putting a slit through it, and then taking a pen, and and just putting your pen through the through the slit. Now that's what was happening when they were looking at the particle. But when they when they did not look at the particle, the particle chose to take two different ways. So imagine now the particle going through the slit and over the slit. So it is our perception that determines how many paths and how many roads that we have in front of us. But the reality is that we're existing through different places at different times. There's different waves, if you will. A particle is not a finite destination. And and a wave has the ability to fluctuate in different frequencies. Different frequencies would represent those different dimensions that we have the, the principles and the ability to function through. So based on that, death never really truly exists because then you'd have to die along all all lines that means the illusion of time and space would have to completely crumple inside of itself and because we carry our time with us we don't leave time behind no different than we carry our space with us we carry our time we carry our space so we can Die in one dimension, like a video game. You may die in a video game, but you don't necessarily die in real life, right? Because you're carrying the entire game system with you—you that exists prior to the creation of life, and the creation of life didn't begin with the creation of a a physical body. Again, the idea of being so body-centric becomes your actual nemesis. And I want you to consider it like this: the great Moorish poet. Uh, Nazir Jones said, sleep is the cousin of death. And in saying that, I want you to consider the process of sleeping for a moment. When he said that, if you think about it, and let's think about last night or think about the night before. I want you to ask yourself exactly what time did you go to sleep? And any rational person, if you really give it some thought, you realize that you never know what time you go to sleep. When you fall asleep at night, you just fall asleep and then eventually you find yourself in another space well in that moment that you fall asleep and you find yourself in another space you are you are dead to the reality of your physical three-dimensional existence you die to it but do you know when you really die no what's the process like the process is so smooth and so painless that you don't even remember when it happened The number one question I get from people in consultations who've had relatives who transition is, I just want to know if they're okay or if they're in pain where they are. Well, what time did you fall asleep? Or was it just a smooth transition? Now, the idea of reincarnating back into third dimensional life, sometimes that can be very unpleasant. When you hear that alarm go off or your neighbor next door is cutting their grass and making a bunch of noise and you're jarred from your sleep or cousin of death, you see? So the principle that I'm, I'm hitting upon here for a moment is that we need not dread the illusion of death no more than we need to dread the illusion of life we need to recognize that we're existing in parallel places at, at multiple times and as a result we can choose what vehicle we want to anchor to so in the same time in the same way at night when you're sleeping you're anchoring to the vehicle of your astral body and then you leave that over a period of time and you anchor to your pineal and you anchor to your heart in order to seat your intelligence somewhere there are so many different seats of intelligence. And death is not the end. Life is not the beginning. Because the universe created life and you created the universe. All right, that's been our segment. And for all of the podcasts, make sure you go to chiefyuyah.com. Peace.